Staying in Contact. I'm London Mitchell. In this series, I chat with individuals who work to improve the quality of life here in Northwest Ohio. Scammers, they are everywhere, working hard to separate us from our money. But for the past 50 years, one man has stood in their way, educating us about their tricks and advising us on how we can stay safe. That man, Dick Epstein, is wrapping up his career with the Better Business Bureau. In a really candid conversation we had, he told me the work with the Better Business Bureau was a career he was destined to have. London, when I was a kid, I'm a middle child, okay? My older sister got everything. She got the braces. She got, the whole, she got her own room, violin lessons, dance lessons, all that stuff. And I was the, And then my younger brother was the baby, so everybody made a fuss over him, and I was the middle child. And if there's one thing middle children understand, it's the concept of fairness, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know, how come Sue got this? How come Ed got that? So um, I've always kind of been cons considering that issue. And when I landed at the Better Business Bureau, I couldn't believe it because that's what we do. We deal with fairness. Uh, are you treating a customer fairly? Are you giving the customer their money's worth? Are you ripping the customer off? That isn't fair. So, um it was a perfect job for me. And uh, my wife, you know, has suggested on time, one time or another, that maybe I could go somewhere else and actually make some money. But, uh, oh, come on, get serious. I, who needs money when you're having fun? So I've stayed with the BBB all these years, and I really, it doesn't feel like a long time. Everybody says 50 years. And I remember. When I got home from Vietnam in uh, 1971, uh, my parents were asking me what I wanted to do. And I, 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 I said, I don't know, but um, that's 50 years ago. So I'm, I started in January 72. So that time has just flown by, as they say, and uh, here we are. President of the Better Business Bureau of Northwest Ohio, Dick Epstein. I asked Dick if there was a special case that he would like to tell us about? Well, uh, maybe the one that stands out of my mind, we had a remodeler. His name was Don. I won't use his last name. And he had a pretty good-sized company in Toledo. This is back, I don't know how many years ago, but uh, he wasn't doing well. He was. Uh, he had a lot of unsettled complaints on him. People were paying him for work he wasn't doing or he did it poorly and he wouldn't honor his warranty and so on. So he had a bad rating with BBB. And he all of a sudden, he showed up at the office. He wanted to talk to Epstein. And I sat him down. And my, we had these chairs that were kind of like funnels. That you, you sit in them, and it was, it was really weird. And he was a great big guy. So he sat down in this little funnel chair. And he sat in my office, and he cried. And uh, this is a big guy. It turned out that uh, we had 11 unsettled complaints on him, which we were reporting to the public, as that's what we do. And it was killing his business. He said, he said, you know, if you, it, I, he says, I give estimates to people and I want to do their work. 
And every one of them calls the Better Business Bureau to get my rating, and I don't get any jobs. I lose every job. He said, if you'll just give me a good rating, I can get some work, make some money, and go back and fix those 11 unsettled complaints. And I said, Don, that's not how it works. We're not going to give you a good rating until you've earned it, which means taking care of those complaints. And as I said, he sat in this big fellow. I mean, he was a mountain. He just cried. He said, I, my business is failing. I can't survive unless Better Business Bureau stops telling people that I've had complaints. And he was out of business probably a, a few months later. Um, now, we have that dichotomy between our feelings that we want those customers to get their complaints resolved. I mean, they had problems that he couldn't fix, but, but sitting there watching this big fellow Cry was something that I had never expected to see. Um, I remember testifying in Don Young's federal court. Uh, we had an odometer disclosure, uh, odometer rollback case, and uh, we had found that this uh, used car dealer was rolling back odometers, and that's a federal crime. So I had to testify in front of Judge Don Young, who, if you remember, was something of a uh, terror. It's judges and had a reputation and Don Young was was pretty scary guy but he was very good to me and uh, we we testified and I think the uh, the company was convicted of, uh, of odometer rollbacks uh, that was uh, that was an experience you know probably most of my time uh, where I deal with issues is with the public where I go out and do speeches I sat down to try to figure out how many speeches I have done and came up with a little over 4,000 since I started. And media spots with people like London Mitchell and others, probably around 15,000. And uh, I have memories for all of them, but when I go out and do speeches, I, I, I talk to a I do a lot of, I, I used to do a lot of block watches. I talked to neighborhood block watch groups. And um, I did one block watch not too many years ago. And there was a lady sitting in the front, front row. It was a senior, basically seniors. And she was in a bright yellow suit, very smart looking, attractive suit. And uh, she was a, a senior. And I, I got up to start my little speech about scams against seniors, and she said, and they and the uh, the uh, moderator of the block watch said, "Wait a minute." He said, "Before you speak, Mr. Epstein, let's hear from from um, you know Susan or whatever her name was." So this woman in this bright yellow suit got up, and she said, "I just want to tell you that um, I got a phone call." She said from someone claiming to be my grandchild in Mexico City or Peru or someplace. And he was in trouble and he needed money. Grandma, can you help me? And he had all the, all the information about my grandkids. And he, I was, he really thought it was my grandchild. And I was ready to send him money. And I didn't for this reason or that reason. Anyway, she said, what's so significant about that was I went to the other block watch a month ago and heard Mr. Epstein talk about this scam, and I still almost fell for it. So she had been to my speech a month earlier, learned all about the swindle, 
And yet she almost fell for it again, which just tells me what a big job we have to do stopping people from getting cheated. You know, that, that is one thing I think that has stood out from all the interviews that we've had together is your constant reminder that these scammers, whether they're online or on the phone or at your front door, they really are uh, well-trained. They are uh, focused. They know exactly what to say uh, to whatever kind of uh, challenge you might offer. Don't feel badly that you almost fell for it. <laughs> Absolutely true. I, right now, I'm getting a lot of feedback on this electric phone call, electric electric company phone. The Edison calls you up and tells you that they're going to come over right now and shut off your power. This is going on right now. I'm getting these calls. <clears throat> and uh, I did a big article on it in my newsletter uh, last month um, because the Edison doesn't call and shut off your power. That's not what, they don't do that. But people get these calls. They're very convincing. They know your account number. They know your payment history. They've got all kinds of stuff on you because of course they've hacked into the Edison or they've hacked into the power company. And I've talked to sophisticated business owners, small business owners who are all, who are tied up in knots because they're so worried they're going to have their power shut down and they're going to run over to the Walgreens and buy a gift card to send to the Edison, all this ridiculous stuff. And finally they come to their senses or they've seen one of my alerts or their wife tells them, what are you doing? You know, hopefully we stop them. I know some, we don't stop. I know some people have sent these guys thousands of dollars, but they are so clever and they know all the answers one fellow said, I was on the phone with that guy for 45 minutes. He could answer every objection. I, I mean, I was totally convinced it was the Edison. Um, and, you know, that's true with so many of the telemarketing frauds. We talk about the IRS calling or the Social Security calling. CDC calls now about your vaccinations. You didn't get vaccinated. And we're, if you don't get vaccinated, we're going to cut off your Social Security. Crazy stuff. But they are so convincing. And one of the things that I talk about in my speeches, London, is that people are not wired to be lied to. It isn't part of our makeup. We're used to people telling us the truth. And so when somebody calls you up and he's he's got a he, he sounds very convincing and he's got authority, I'm calling from the IRS, I'm calling from the FBI, I'm calling from Social Security. You've got that respect for authority, and you're not you, you're not used to being lied to. It doesn't work in your brain. People are always honest to you. So you say, oh, really? Oh, my goodness, I don't want to be, I don't want my Social Security cut off, or I don't want IRS to arrest me. And that's especially true with seniors. You know, I, I talk to seniors a lot, and... I had seniors say to me, they say, oh, well, I could always tell if somebody's lying to me. I could tell. Are you crazy? You can't. You couldn't tell. Uh, when these people call you up, they are totally convincing. And um, one of my one of our favorite calls that I had here uh, a few years ago, we were talking about the IRS calls where you know the IRS is calling and they're going to arrest you because you didn't pay your taxes. 
IRS doesn't call people that they never call. They send you a letter. Anyway, this guy heard me on the news. I was on one of the TV stations. <clears throat> I said that these calls, typically these days, they come from Mumbai, India. That's the center of this telemarketing. That's why the person from the IRS has this thick accent because he's calling from India. Anyway, I talked about that on the news. And a few hours later, a fellow called the BBB and he said, I just want to tell you uh, that I saw your interview on television. And then I got this IRS call and there was a recorded message. Call us back. We're going to take you to the grand jury. We're going to put you in jail. So I called the guy back and he had this thick accent. And he said, oh, yes, I'm the IRS, and you're going to go to jail, and you didn't pay the big back taxes. And the consumer had seen me on the news, and he said, wait a minute, he said. He said, I know you're not the IRS. You're just a crook calling me from India. And the guy on the phone was furious. He said, I'm not calling you from India. I'm calling you from Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oops, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that is but that is one of the things that you have reinforced <laughs> over and over again. The IRS is not going to call you on the phone with a threat. The electric company is not going to call you on the phone with a threat. You're not going to be served a warrant for your arrest over the phone. <laughs> no. It, well, but, well, well, and. And Publishers Clearinghouse does not call. <laughs> that probably, pro of all the calls we get, that's probably the most common. Uh, people call us up at Better Business Bureau and they say, I'm calling, uh, I'm calling because Publishers Clearinghouse just called me and they said I want a million dollars, but I had to send them money or I had to give them information on my checking account or they want to know this and that. And Publishers Clearinghouse, does, it's real. It's a real sweepstakes. I have talked to a person who, whose neighbor won the real million bucks. I mean, with the prize patrol coming to the house and the balloons and the whole thing. And it's a fellow I talked to that uh, has a neighbor, he lives in Michigan. And this happened. So they do win the contest, but they do not call you. And they certainly, if you win the money, don't ask you to pay the taxes on it in advance. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a clue. If you have to write a check up front, that, that's, exactly. that's the clue right there. You know, I started in 1972. And one of the things I always told my classes and my speeches was winning means free. When you win a prize, they send you the prize. Yes, they withhold the taxes. You better believe they withhold the taxes. But so when you win the when that prize patrol comes to your house, now I've been looking out my window for years and I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> but if they when they when they come to my house, I'm not going to get the million. I'm going to get it. They're going to take the taxes out first. But if you have to send fifty bucks to win your Mercedes or a hundred dollars to win your cruise or whatever. If you have to send money, you didn't win anything. And if they say you've got to do this within two hours or we're going to give it to somebody else, stop. They're, these are all scams. Dick Epstein chatting with us as he wraps up a 50-year career with the BBB. I'm going to continue this rather candid conversation with Dick next week as we continue staying in contact.
I'm London Mitchell.